Welcome to Tag Talks Happy Hour with Ajit Kara. One part small talk, all parts real talk. This is the part of the day when Ajit gets to know the people behind the job titles at Tag. Hello, my name is Ajit Kara and I'm the CEO of Tag Americas. I believe that every company's biggest asset are its people. And I'm very fortunate to work at Tag where I think we have amazing people. So I decided to do a podcast to really understand what makes them tick and who are the people behind the curtain, so to speak. Today I'm joined by a very interesting fellow called Jaime Agula. I've probably said that wrong, but he'll tell me in a minute that I have. As always, these amazing podcasts are produced by Kelly Stansfield. Hey, Kelly, how are you? I'm well, Ajit. How are you doing today? Not too bad. And, and how is your day going? Fabulous. I'm wearing a new dress. Oh. Actually, it's not new. I like to rent my clothes. I get my clothes from renttherunway.com. When you live in a one-bedroom apartment in New York City, you don't have a lot of space for clothes, so it keeps it interesting. How does that work? Like, they, I assume they wash it before you... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you pay a monthly... Well, the plan that I'm on, I pay a monthly amount and uh, I get you know many options to choose from and they send it to me and then I send them all back. I don't need to launder them or anything. It's all insured and uh, then I get my next send. It's, it's pretty fantastic actually and great for the environment because clothing in landfill is a, a massive problem. So that means I wasn't going to say, but when I say I've never seen you in the same outfit twice, uh, I can actually say that now. Well, yeah, except I know that'll be a lie because I do have some favourites. <laughs> and I had no idea. I'd, known, I'd never noticed. So today, as I said, I'm joined by Jaime. Jaime, welcome to the podcast. Cheers. Thank you very much. And how are you today? Yeah, have a sip. And how is that wine? It's really good. I I tried to get it from your, I tried to make it Spanish. Yeah. Did you notice that? (laughs) That's very nice. So Rioca, I think I say your name, the first name correct, because when we first met, I never called you Jamie, I called you Jaime. So I got that bit right, Jaime. But I've never got your surname right. So how do I get that right? My name is Jaime Aguilo, which is quite a difficult, it's quite a challenge for <laughs> English speakers. But Good I, luck, uh, Ajit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just going to call you Jaime. <laughs> Aguilo. Yeah, that's a good one. I think that, you know, I always make this little joke that every time somebody mis- like mispronounces my name, I'm very happy because that gives me credit for mispronouncing other people's names, <laughs> right? Which I do all the time because it's me the one in a, in a foreign country. Do you know, I should use that because as many people know, I butcher everyone's name and my name is very simple, so I can't even do that. But I'm going to try and use that argument many times. Over. <laughs> so welcome anyway. So you are the senior creative in our business. Uh, thank you for taking time for me. Now, Jaime, where are you from? So we talked about Spain, but where specifically uh, have you come from? I'm from Valencia. That is the third biggest city in Spain. So... We are exactly that type of city that is not as big as Barcelona and Madrid, but not like a small village. So it's quite like a middle-sized city by the Mediterranean, which is the best part of it. Like the weather is by far the best part of it. You're making me miss my summers when my children were growing up. We would always go to the Boic Islands in the Mediterranean and yeah, whether it be Menorca or Mallorca. Oh yeah. And we loved it. Loved it. There's, the water's beautiful. The people are fantastic. The food is great. Not a lot of time on the mainland actually, but I've always gone to the islands. Yeah. A lot of people from your homeland do that. <laughs> <laughs> Which homeland are you talking about? India, I, England or well, America now? That's a good question. Actually, I know I know you have like, but you're like family from India, but yes. you are originally from the UK. 
So originally, actually, I was born in India. Ah, you were born in India, see? But moved to the UK when I was nine months old, so it, it doesn't really count. And uh, so brought up in the UK, but now I consider America my home, as yeah. many people do. So when you were in Spain, uh, tell me about your family. Small family, big family? Well, big family, I'm the fifth out of six. Oh my goodness. So yeah, not much to say, like my parents are, my mom was a teacher, like in a primary school. My dad was a doctor, and but he also worked as a teacher, actually. And I think that's quite a defining thing in my family is that a big thing with my dad is that he finished like his degree and he became a doctor. But at the time he just got married and he was having children, right? So he had to make a decision about what comes first, right? And he was trying to break in and, you know, get a job as a doctor and make a career there. But very soon he knew that the priority was different and that a different type of job was going to give him something that was maybe not what he wanted or what he was dreaming of, but what was better for the family unit. So he dropped his career as a doctor for a while, for many years, and he became just a teacher in a high school. Yeah. So I think that type of thing is usually the type of thing that when you're a kid, you don't know that is shaping who you are because it's a defining decision. I was going to say, so with both parents being teachers and obviously you being one of six, that's a lot. But it also maybe answers like you like people and you build things. And did you think that sort of comes a little bit from that sort of background? Because teachers are very accomplished, I think, in helping people, training people, you know, being patient with people. And you do that quite a lot in what you do. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. It's a weird thing when you come from a big family because it's a total of six and there's nobody else who is creative. Like I'm on my siblings, one, a doctor and somebody is like a, and one of my brothers, he works in at Ford as an accountant. Like very <laughs> different careers. Hey, right? nothing wrong with account. I was an accountant many, many years ago. Right? But tell no one. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so it's a, it's very interesting to see that because I think that actually maybe being one of many gives you the freedom to choose who you are. Like the there is no pressure. There is no a plan from your dad or from your parent was to. Was there any pressure at dinner time? That's a lot of mouths to feed. I mean, there was uh, soon, but not pressure in the sense of we as parents have a plan for you. Like that spreads out. And I always felt very free to become who I want to be. Coming from an incredibly beautiful city, what made you make the jump from a beautiful place to come to New York? Not that New York is not beautiful, clearly. It really is. <laughs> it, it, it really is in a different way. I think this is a very interesting question because it has a lot to do with what New York is and what New York means for me in my life. I was born in Valencia. I spent my childhood there. I went to college there. And right after college, I started my business, right? right. It was a, well, that's fine. I called it advertising agency. Now with some more perspective, I know it was a creative studio. So it was a small team. It was in a, during a very difficult time because I started that with my creative partner like in 2010, so right in the middle of the recession. And it was during during a very difficult time economically, globally. And this was in Spain? In that, Spain, in Valencia. Yeah, because so that was hit hard, yeah. You need to think about the small city, small opportunities, and then also a difficult time. So I just started that business with him and considering the situation, it was a success. So we grew, we have good clients and, and it became like a, a business that still today continues. So it's something that was bigger than the two of us, right? Like we hired people and new partners. But then at some point when I was 26, in all honesty, I had enough, right? I needed something else. I, 
and I'm going to do my part to speak about mental health in a more open and free way. I burn out, I fell into a depression, I felt that I was not going anywhere else, and I felt that I had more to give and more to do. Did you seek some help during that period? I did. It's been amazing. I think that therapy and that journey, I'm going to call it that way. You go into that room with a therapist, and in truth, what you are doing is you are going on a journey. I can't stress enough, and I think we've talked about it in a prior podcast around you know mental well-being and support, but I think it's critical, and it's great that you understood that you had enough and that you needed some guidance and help. And I think it's an area that more people should embrace. I think there's still a stigma attached to it and there shouldn't be because I think it's really around helping you organize your thought processes and prioritizing what you need to do. And often a trained therapist is someone much better than a friend or family or someone that that can't really relate in that way. Yeah, I completely agree with that. When I step into that room with that uh, person who is a... Uh, what I feel is that that person is going to take me to places where I cannot go alone, right? And usually that person can take you to places where family and friends cannot take you because there is an emotional layer there that you need to be free of, like in order to, you know, go visit yourself in the past, how you felt, what happened to you. Did you put that pressure on yourself? Because like to go straight from college to your own business and then having had my own business, I know that it's all the pressure and you have to take care of everything. And uh, it, you, know, but you did it at a very young age and mm-hmm. knowing you, you're full on from what you do. I was 23 years old when we started what we, what we Maslow Agency was the name of the company and it's still the name of the company. Uh, but to give it a little bit more context, I'm going to tell you a story. When a couple of years before, in 2008, I was 20, 21 years old and I have an internship in what at the time was one of the best advertising agencies in Spain. Contrapunto, they were like agency of the year at Cannes in some categories, and it was great, right? Like, so I went there in September or in, in, I don't remember exactly, but during the summer, I go there, and the day that I was going to go to the office for the first time, so let's say it this way, the day that I was becoming an adult, like my adult life was starting. I was going into a company, into a job, in a, in a right? That day I was having breakfast in my apartment and I saw on the news that Lehman Brothers oh. had filed for bankruptcy, oh. right? So <laughs> like speaking of defining moments, I think that it speaks about my, the first part of my career or even not career, but my adult life, right? So I was going to Madrid. That was my dream to this big agency that does all this beautiful work. And when I went there, like the world was falling apart, right? <laughs> and I think that um, that had to do with the fact that Pau Rodilla and I, who was my partner, we decided, look, the working space out there is not welcoming now, right? So you and I believe in what we do. Why don't we start our own thing? And so today, if I could speak to that 23-year-old guy, <laughs> oh, what are you doing? Don't do that. Like, it's not the best way to start a career, but it gave me a lot. It's great. And I think it's great when you say things like, I wish I could speak to that 23-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all relate to wanting to give ourselves some advice. I think that old you know, position, which is, you know, there's no substitute for experience. Mm-hmm. 
It's true. I mean, I wish I wasn't getting older, but I do appreciate that as you get older, you do get more experience. And I wish I could find a recipe to get younger, but have the experience that I have now. You know, uh, well, we, we cannot do that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be quite good. No, we cannot do that, but I'm now recalling this speech that Steve Jobs gave at a university. It's online. Like if you look for, if you Google Steve Jobs, like a speech or something like that, like he went to this graduation or whatever you want to call it. And he was talking about joining the dots, right? Like he was mentioning like things that happened to him in the past, how he joined this class and how he didn't accomplish this or that. And how he, after many years, could look backwards and be like, oh, this led me here and led me there and led me there. So if I could speak to that 23-year-old, I would say, don't start a business. It's not the best way to start your career. Don't do that. But today I am in a position that I enjoy a lot here at TAG. And precisely what I do is I set up teams. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we all look back and, and maybe we'll do things differently, but arguably when we can't change that, and arguably I think what you say is right, that we are here today because of the things that we did in the past. It's almost like, uh, it's like these time travel theories that start to blow your mind up. You know, you can't have alternate universes, exactly. etc. But coming back to Spain, what do you miss from Spain? Anything particularly that you miss? As of today? Yeah. I think I'm not going to surprise you with this answer, right? Like the thing I miss about the Spain is family and friends. Sure. I think that some people like to joke about the food or even the weather. Like those things you can miss, but, but the... But I suspect your paella is pretty good. Do you make paella? I do. I miss it. No, if I make it? Yeah. No, I don't make it. <laughs> <laughs> I make a different recipe, um, rice recipe, but not paella, not that one. But no, I, I'm not going to surprise you with that answer. Like what I miss is family, friends, my, my siblings, my nephews and nieces. Like that's what I miss yeah. the most. Personally then, what do you... I mean, you look fantastically fit so you know, uh -huh. what, what do you do to keep so well well <laughs> look when i was younger i think i'm just living off my like the past <laughs> <laughs> uh, in when i was younger i used to play indoor football of course you're spanish you play football exactly i play football and i used to play at a decently high level when i was under 18 but the indoor five aside yes futsal yeah. that's actually i used to play a little bit of that that's actually tougher than 11 aside like the pace that you're on all the time yeah in a way it is more intense uh it's also i think it's also more fun every time that i see like a 11 to 11 game on the park or something i'm thinking god there's 22 people in that field <laughs> and only one of them has the ball <laughs> like at least when you are <laughs> when you are on a smaller field like or or a court you can touch the ball more often you participate more and i guess you had your own team with your family being one of six and a spare yeah, my dad was a Levante, Levante <laughs> Union Deportiva fan. That is a, you know, I'm, I'm always with the underdog, I think. It's the second team of the city of Valencia. And although Levante has been playing in the first division for many years, in like, let's say that maybe 15 out of the 20 last years, it's been in the top division. So you got to quite a competitive stage on your five side. What, what I assume you support the Spanish football team. For the World Cup. Oh. Of course I do. I assume yeah. you're very happy then when they won. <laughs> exactly. <I think. laughs> Look, it's fun because uh, with my club, 
team, I'm with the underdog. It's the team that is always in the second division, go up to the first, and then you get relegated or you fight for not being relegated. So that is my everyday life when it comes to being a football fan. So you're going to be conflicted, and let me explain my question. So I'm obviously a citizen now of the US, uh-huh. and I was obviously brought up in the UK, and I was an advent, you know, England football supporter in all World Cups. Mm-hmm. And now I have a, a conundrum that when, you know, because America's football team is, is rising and doing well, Glad to see that the British or the English team is doing much better now as well, on average. Who do I support when they play Your each childhood. other? childhood. Childhood team, always. That's the meaning of it. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the reason why we support a team that we don't have anything to do with, is identity and roots. And it's, that's the way I think I believe in. Well, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to basically pick the winning team. Oh, <laughs> come on. See, that is why I enjoyed so much that summer that we won the World Cup. Because for the for one time in my life, I was rooting for the winning team, which is something that doesn't happen. And to be fair, when you see the Spanish play, they're a delightful team to see. They're very talented. They really it was a very nice team to follow. And I have to say that even I remember the day that we won the World Cup as the happiest day of my life. I know it doesn't sound like good. Like I, <laughs> you know children yet, have you? <laughs> no. <laughs> but Just well, a guess. We'll get there. But I think that, you know, that is something that football can offer, right? Suddenly one day, all our, like the group of friends, like all the 20, 30 people, we were in one house and everybody was happy. Everybody was the happiest, right? Where would you like life to take you? What would be your dream? Woo! Actually, that is not part of the questionnaire you send us <laughs> to prep for this. I do not send you any questions. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry if I spoil that, that part of the process. I don't know. What I know is that, and I'm going to connect this with your first question. Look, you were asking me why you came to New York or how was that, right? I think that one thing that New York is giving me today is the possibility of putting my talents to work, yeah. right? And I'm also seeing that my hard work pays off. That is, I think that Americans can be proud of being from a country where hard work is rewarded, right? That it, it sounds obvious, but it doesn't happen everywhere. So I'm going to now reconnect with your last question. What do I want life to take me? What I can say is that as of today, I'm happy to say that every day, I can use my talents and my intelligence and my experience and put it to work. More of that, more of that for a while. And then I'll retire in Spain, I can tell you that. But for the, the short midterm, more of that being capable of putting my talents to work. And there's me thinking you were going to say, I'd like to be playing for Spain in football. Oh, yeah, no, I was being more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. The standards are just too high, aren't they? Yeah. They, just, they really are. So tell me a bit more about what's, you know, your family has influenced you, your upbringing has influenced you, your, you know, Spanish culture has influenced you. And I, I think you're, you yeah, know, that's coming across clear. What other things influenced you in terms of how you, you know, approach things? Look, we've been, we've been talking a little bit about football already, soccer, football. I have to say that for some reason, I have a soft spot for football coaches in a way that I like to listen to them or to read about them or to learn about them, a little bit transcending what happens on the field, right? I'll give you an example. Uh, Marcelo Bielsa, he's an Argentinian football coach. He coached the Argentinian national team and the Chile national team for many years. 
And he, obviously, they call him a loco, the crazy one. He's a OCD person. He lives and breathes football when he goes coach a team. By the way, he's been in coaching leads for the past years in the UK. Well, when he joins a club, he sometimes has like a small house in the training facilities because he lives like that. And that reminds me of this architect that we have in Spain that is Gaudí. Antonio Gaudí used to live, he had a life as like a little bit of a, of a monk, right? He lived there in his construction and he put everything, like even spiritually, into his work. So now back to Marcelo Bielsa, he says one thing that I think is, has become a foundational belief for me. He despises when people only judge the outcome of an effort, right? It's like, oh, some, or not, not the outcome of an effort, sorry. When people only judge the final, the result, right? Like you can see, and he gives this example. You can see somebody come driving a very fancy car, or you can see somebody come just driving a cheaper car. But you don't know, maybe one won the lottery and the other one has been working very hard and the entire family has been saving money for that. And he insists a lot that as a society and as humans, we need to start looking deeper and judge and reward the process and not the final outcome. I think that's very um, sensible. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think it relates to, you know, some of the challenges that we have today that I think social media, instant news, you know, all of us have phones with, you know, messages coming through. We're, we're fed information so much that we are really just looking at the end result of something mm -hmm. versus journey and i think that that's probably where we're probably more judgmental today or don't acknowledge what it takes and i think that's something that we lose you know i think that's that's a hard for us to to try and get that back which is i always like reading yeah you know, i think when you read there's a process you go through before you get to a conclusion yeah when, when you see something it's different yeah i think we're losing we're losing a little bit of that with and i heard you in in other podcasts because i'm a, yeah. I'm a <laughs> listener thank you sir <laughs> I've noticed that uh, that's something that concerns you, this, uh, the way that social media and the current media space is shaping the way that we absorb information and that we behave and that we think. And again, I think that people like Marcelo Bielsa, who lives like a monk, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> these type of people remind us of, hey, 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 slow down, focus on the important. I think the most important thing that we should continue to do and not lose is our curiosity. Mm-hmm our intellectual curiosity you know which means that you you don't always take face value what something is said or done you actually research it you think about it you mm -hmm. absorb it you maybe challenge it and you then maybe you know change your position because of that you know like, but it, i think there's less of that that goes on today how do you i'm going to take the freedom of asking a, pro, a question how do you keep curiosity alive and i'm asking because uh that's something that I've been thinking of lately. I think it's a good question. I think it's just continue to test yourself about asking questions. It's one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast, because I like learning about people. I like learning about situations. And I, I think, I don't think until you, the day you die, hopefully at a very old age, you're always learning, you know, always learning. There's no, there's no time when you're not absorbing more information. So I think it's just that yeah. continual questioning. Now, Jaime, it's been fabulous talking to you. This is now your opportunity to ask me another question. You've already asked me one, but uh, 
do feel free if you have a question for me. Do I have a the luxury of two questions? Oh, sure. Yeah. Let me tell you one. The other day I was reading a book, and in this book the author was uh, in one chapter he was telling, "Hey, I I like these dilemmas, right? Like, and one of them was like this. He said, "Imagine that one day you wake up and they have made two movies about you. You didn't know anything about that about them. They suddenly, you know, like oh, two movies like uh, about you and your life. Right. One of them." is a independently produced documentary right. with uh, interviews to your friends and family right. and with footage about your life and that you didn't even exist, you didn't even know that it existed. Yeah. And the critics and the public agree that it's a, it's a very good piece of work and that it's, you know, uh, very emotional. The second movie is a big budget Hollywood um Production where you and your family and friends are played by huge Hollywood stars. Critics and public agree that it's quite average. You can only watch one of the two and you will never know about the other one. So it's not like you can find a middle point. Which one would you see? Definitely number two. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) For the simple reason. I want to know what celebrities would play me in my family. Right. (laughs) That's the only reason. That's the only reason. You know, uh, I know it should have been number one, but no, it's number two. See, but a lot of people, see, um, I've been asking this question. Like, I read it and I I thought it was, like, quite fun. And I went hiking with friends. And, you know, when you're hiking, it's a good moment to, you know, like, talk about these little things. And I like this question because... For some people, it touches something very sensible that is like family and friends. And some people go like, no, I really want to see that. <laughs> uh, I want to know what they think. And some other people go like, you know what? I, I already have a great relationship with them. And I don't think I will be learning anything new from that documentary. But the Hollywood movie... Sounds quite funny. It, exactly. I think, I think the other reason is that I think I would be, I think I'm my own worst enemy in terms of being a critic of myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I think I'd be deeply upset if I heard, you know, feedback uh, or views see? from other people. So it is a, it is a deep question because you saw, I, it I, is. I, I, it's like, I don't like to, you know, Kaylee knows this and the team knows, I don't like to hear myself. I don't like to see myself. So I'm, I'm sort of deeply insecure in some areas in that way. And I think I wouldn't want to see that. Great idea recording a podcast if, that, <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> well, I'd have a face for radio. Yeah. And then the, <laughs> if I may, the second question is that the other day I was like, I was very curious and I was, I look at your profile on LinkedIn yeah. and I was surprised that your career at TAG is very long. Like you started like, 1999. Yeah. And then I was like seeing your progression and I, th- I was thinking, when? Uh, this is, a, uh, this is a, a question. I was thinking, when do you think for the first time, hey, I think I can get up there and lead this company? Uh, when I joined 1999. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've always had the ambition and, and hope that I would be able to rise to the top. And I think hope is the right way because, you know, you have to prove yourself and you have to work hard and make the right steps and... Made, obviously made mistakes and had great people throughout that whole career at the organization that have coached me, helped me. And but I always I always had that kind of feeling and knowledge that at some yeah. point it will happen. I, I don't know where that came from. It just, it was always there. And, you know, for me, I look at it as a privilege. When you get to the 
role that I've got to. It's not around, the aspiration goes away and it's really much more about what was dawning on me is it's the responsibility. The responsibility that I have to do a great job for every, all the people, for our clients, you know, for the business, for our shareholders. The responsibility is enormous and I take that quite seriously. Cool. Thank you. Great question. Great answer, <laughs> I will say. Great answer. So Jaime, um, I want to end by thanking you for you know being an incredibly passionate, fantastic person. I know you travel a lot for us. You build great teams. Your creativity and your hunger and your passion comes out through and through in everything that you do. And, uh, you know, very fun person. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's us. been great. Cheers. Join us soon for another episode of Tech Talks Happy Hour with Ajit Kara and learn more about the people behind the job titles at Tech.